0: Good morning everyone. When you get to be invited to be a speaker on occasion like this you're never quite sure how your audience is going to react to you. So we were told always say something in the beginning to get people's attention. Okay? Um, yes, I'm at the Presbyterian Church and I have to tell you of an incident that happened many years ago in Vincennes, Indiana when I was speaking in the Presbyterian Church And uh, there were a couple of little kids sitting in the front row, and um, I had to tell them that their regular minister wasn't there. I was a substitute. And uh, then I wondered if they understood what a substitute is. So I said, I'll explain to you. You see, if you're out there playing baseball and you accidentally throw a ball through a stained glass window, you can't just go out and uh, buy a new one. You have to order it so in between you put just an old glass pane in there. That's what a substitute is, just a pane. Well, it was interesting when this was all over. One of the little boys came to me. He looked me up and down once or twice and he said to me, Golly, mister, you're no substitute, you're a real pane. (laughs) Having said that, now I have your attention. It's good to be with you this morning. And I would like to share with you some further thoughts on Thanksgiving. I know it was here, uh, or this past week, that we celebrated it, but it's such a wonderful theme in the Bible, so I'd like to share some other thoughts with you, and I trust the Lord will bless our time together. Um, I'm assuming that all of you are aware of the fact that the whole concept of Thanksgiving actually began in, in a year. United States of America years ago, and um, just in case you don't know the history of it, and I'm a little bit of a history buff, so I'm going to give you about maybe three minutes of history with your indulgence. Thanksgiving started, first proclamation of it in early America, it was given by William Bradford. He was the governor of the Pilgrim Colony at Massachusetts. And uh, this is what he had to say to his congregation at the first Thanksgiving. For as much as the Great Father has given us an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squares, sorry, squashes and garden vegetables, and has made the forest abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, And inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with ye wives, and ye little ones, do gather ye at the meeting house, on ye hill between the hours of nine and twelve in the daytime on Thursday, November the 29th of the year of our Lord 1623, or 1623, and the third year since ye pilgrims landed at ye Plymouth Rock, there to listen, get this, there to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to ye Almighty God for all his blessings. Signed, William Bradford, ye governor of the colony. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit more history before we actually get into the basic part of our message. Uh, You may be aware that in 1789, President George Washington issued a Thanksgiving Day proclamation, but only to commemorate those first Pilgrim celebrations. However, Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, he called this whole concept of blessings a kingly practice and did not approve of it. However, there was a Mrs. Hale, I must tell you about her, 1828, and you probably remember her because she wrote that wonderful poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb, you all know it? Good. But she also agitated for Thanksgiving Day. And finally, President Lincoln, in eighteen sixty-three, he asked those soldiers who were fighting that terrible, terrible, bloody civil war in the United States to lay aside their enmities and to and strife on the fourth Thursday of November. And he proclaimed it an official Thanksgiving Day. And this day was finally ratified by U.S. Congress in 1941. And so, for the Americans, Thanksgiving is obligatory. They are supposed to be thankful on that day. I can assure you from personal experience, and my wife will back me up on this one, we attended a home in Dallas or just outside of Dallas on a Thanksgiving Day. And there was not a word of thanks mentioned. So not everybody does it. However, we want to this morning look at some various scriptures in connection with it. So, why do we have to have such a day? Well, the Apostle Paul, in writing to those very godly saints at Thessalonica, he made a proclamation. And I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to ask you, are there some people here who still remember German? Yeah, good. I'm going to give it to you first of all. What Paul said in German: "Dan in allen Dingen, den das ist Gottes in Christu Jesus auch In other words, coming to the English translation, which we know from First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eighteen: "In everything." In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In fact, the apostle gives several little exhortations here. Very short statements. so I thought I would read them because they are also important. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And then, of course, you know the story of the atheist who, on a sudden moment, had a feeling of great thankfulness for everything in life. But then he discovered much to his sorrow, since he didn't believe in God, he didn't know to be thankful to well we do so with thankful hearts can we consider some thoughts then as they are found in the scriptures Uh, and interesting the first time you will actually find that word thankful it's in second Samuel chapter 22 and this is a very personal thank you on the part of David to the Lord God The time when God had delivered him from his enemies, those who were out literally to kill him. So let me read a few verses on this very momentous occasion. Verse 47, the Lord lives, blessed be my rock, let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles. Sing praise to your name. And obviously, David's delivery from his enemies was a most important moment in his life. And so he knew to turn to God and to give thanks for that. But I want to share with you another of David's songs of thanksgiving. And this one is recorded for us in Second Chronicles chapter 16. And here this song of thanksgiving involves not only David as the king, but the whole nation itself. The occasion is given to us in verse 1, where we read, So they brought the ark of God, and they set it in the midst of the tabernacle, which David had erected for it. Now, you will remember that the Jewish people or Israel had gone to war against the Philistines, had taken the Ark of the Covenant with them to guarantee a victory, only to find God was displeased with their actions, and they actually lost the war, and they actually lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines. But they found out that this thing was a very troublesome object in their midst so they relieved themselves of it and it was returned to the tabernacle so let me read to you now the song of David this is a little bit lengthy but it was obviously something very very meaningful in the lives of the people oh give thanks to the Lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the people sing to him sing psalms to him talk of all his wondrous works glory in his holy name let the hearts rejoice who seek the lord seek the lord and his strength seek his face evermore remember his marvelous works which he has done his wonders and the judgments of his mouth O seed of israel his servant, the children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Now I'm gonna drop down to verse 34 and I'll read a few more. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, Save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your name to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And how did the people react? Well, they all said amen. And they praised the Lord. What a great moment in the life of that nation. Time of great thankfulness. But we might ask the question, why the praise? Well, simply because the ark represented the very presence of God in their midst. And they being ever mindful and aware of the covenants that God had given to them through Abraham and Isaac and uh, Jacob, if the ark was not present with them, Did this mean that those promises were no longer valid to the people? What a terrible loss it would have been to this nation surrounded as they were by their enemies. Small wonder then that David was inspired to give such a mighty word of thanks to God on behalf of his people. And just in case you're interested, Psalm 105 (coughs) Again, a thanksgiving psalm, it speaks of the eternal presence of God's covenant. The promise that that covenant or covenants will never, ever be broken. Now, the psalms, as you know, do often speak of thankfulness. And I'm going to, I would like to read to you from Psalm 136. Or ask you rather, to read for yourself Psalm 136—that's a homework assignment, by the way. In it, you will find that no less than 26 times this unknown psalmist speaks of the mercies of God, mercies particularly towards the chosen people of Israel, but also blessings for all mankind to ponder and to enjoy. Now, before we depart from the Old Testament, one more word on Thanksgiving. Uh, As we see it particularly in what I like to call that reluctant missionary, and of course I am talking about Jonah, who is disobedient to God's calling to him, who finds himself in the belly of a sea monster, Finds himself dragged down to the very depths of the sea, and it is from there that Jonah prays and cries out to God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And then he adds these thoughts Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. To speak to idols, to worship idols, they will offer you no mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. And yet many have questioned how sincere is this prayer. For when Nineveh, the king, the inhabitants of the city, and even all the animals within its walls, when they were covered with sackcloth and ashes, when they cried out to God for mercy that the city might be spared, and God answered that prayer, the Bible simply tells us then that Jonah's heart was displeased exceedingly. We might ponder the question then, How real was his thanksgiving? May I suggest to you, thanksgiving that isn't sincere is not thanksgiving. Well, let's move into the New Testament for a few moments. 400 years of silence now is suddenly broken by a lone voice crying out in we're giving forth a new, as yet unheard message. And it is simple and short Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he who is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, obviously, John again says, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And of the Lord, John's testimony is, Of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. Indeed, we know that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I wonder what the heart of the nation was when this proclamation was given. I wonder if perhaps their minds and their thoughts were still back, way back there with their forefathers, when they sat beside the waters of Babylon, and they refused to sing any songs of thanksgiving. They refused to play their harps. We have nothing to be thankful to God for. But this proclamation of John surely was something they ought to have been thankful for. And if David was thankful for the ark being back, in the tabernacle how much more these people should have been thankful for because the ark actually speaks of course of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ and particularly as the ark there represents the presence of God and the mercy of God in the tabernacle there this had now found its ultimate fulfillment in the one who is called the Christ the one who is the Messiah, the one who is the kinsman redeemer, the one who is the whole hope of the nation, the salvation of Jehovah God, now in their midst. But have you noticed something as you read through the or read through the New Testament that thanksgiving to Jesus was rarely heard; rather, curses. Accusations, lies, blasphemies, all of these things were much more prevalent before the Lord. And perhaps the nation and its very leaders, particularly, that their attitude is reflected in that incident given to us in Luke chapter 17. And I know you're familiar with it the story of the ten lepers. Trust that you remember that they made from a far distance away a great plaintive plea to Jesus. Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus being Jesus, he did just that. But then only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a vo- loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And here's the interesting statement of all of this. And he was a Samaritan. The last person you would ever have thought would give thanks was the one who did. And so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten clans cleansed? But where are the nine? And again, I suggest to you that Thanksgiving there was in short supply. Yet there is one instance when thanks were rendered to God. I don't know what it does to you, but I know it really inspires my heart. In chapter 2 again of Luke's Gospel, there's the story there of the prophetess Anna. And we are told that she was a woman of great age. And women usually don't like to tell us the actual age, so that's all it said about her. Nevertheless, she had been already a widow for 84 years. How old was this woman then? Obviously already past the century mark. But here, even in her old age, she was still a faithful worshiper in the temple. Her life, we read, was characterized by fasting and prayers, night and day. And in the very providence of God, she now enters the temple to hear the voice of another aged person, Simeon, who now makes confession as he beholds the newborn Christ child. <clears throat> he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Here then for Anna is the hope of many years now realized now fulfilled and so now we read she gave thanks to the Lord and she spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem now I suspect this was just a small voice crying out as it were sort of in the wilderness of the city there but she gave thanks and she shared the good news of redemption that was coming and now in her presence. What a wonderful way then for her to end her years giving thanks to the Lord God. Well, sadly though, in Jerusalem there were so many who never really bothered to give thanks. And I reflect upon Luke 18, you're familiar with the story too, of the Pharisee and the publican who came to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee's prayer simply was, and I don't think it went beyond his upper lip, his prayer simply was, I thank you, God. But he's really talking to himself. I am not like other men not like a publican i'm not like an extortioner as a matter of fact i am one who do all sorts of religious activities on your behalf and the publican well his prayer simply was be merciful to me O lord well we cannot go without looking for a moment at Saul of Tarsus. You know him, of course, as the Apostle Paul, who could certainly be described as the most self righteous Pharisaic Jew who ever lived. Absolutely certain that in Judaism he thought he had it all made. No one had higher, better credentials than he did for self satisfaction before God. But once he was smitten by Christ, once having tasted the dust of the Damascus road, once having been commissioned by God to go forth to the Gentiles, he became the champion of the gospel message and a man, I add, of a most thankful heart. Expressed so ably in his letters to the churches. And I only want to look at one this morning briefly to that masterpiece which he wrote to the church at Rome. And here he expresses his thanks. First, he says, I thank you, my God, through Jesus Christ, for you all. Oh, you are so precious to me as God's saints that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Thankful that the gospel of the risen Christ was indeed demonstrated in their very lives and that in them the power of God unto salvation was manifested both for the Jew and for the Greek. But to those same saints in that same opening chapter of Romans the apostle also analyzes that which has ever been the problem of the human heart. Throughout the long course of human history, he speaks of the great displeasure of God, of the wrath of God towards those who reject his revelation. And the truth is that the revelation was there from the very beginning of time. Revealed particularly in the heavens and in what we call the constellations that begin with Virgo, the Virgin, going through the constellations They end with none other than Leo, the Lion, or Christ, the Lion of Judah. And the paw of the lion is above the head of Hydra the serpent about to crush his head as promised way back in the beginning of Genesis. And yet the sad thing is that the revelation was rejected with two very serious consequences.
1: First and
0: foremost, man changed his opinion of who God is And instead of seeing him in all his mighty glory, they began to lower God down and down and down and down. Till when they were finished, God was just a little creepy crawly thing of no particular concern to them. But the psalmist does tell us that the heavens do declare the glory of God. And you might be interested in Psalm 148 where we read that the wind and uh, the hail and the snow and the fire, all of these things come from God, not from a mother nature somewhere, but they come from Almighty God himself, and they are his word to us. He still speaks, therefore, demonstrating his eternal power. And yet from the very beginning, mankind chose to ignore that revelation and therefore their hearts were hardened towards him and God gave them up and what can be a sadder statement than the fact that God gave them up and then this all important statement neither were they thankful They were not thankful to the great, glorious God who had given them such a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous message. Well, we come to the cross of Christ, and there the eye of God, no doubt, was upon his sorrowing son as he died there for the sins of the world, but his eye was also on a repentant thief
1: who simply
0: confessed that he had done wrong and who asked, turning to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And how marvelous are the words of Jesus to him. Today you shall be with me in paradise I suspect that that thief died with a most thankful heart and how gracious God was to him and so in closing our message then what about those of us who have believed and accepted Christ the Savior and if you haven't I would urge you to do so because it's a great walk to walk with God but for those who have put our faith and trust in him, let's join the apostle in two of his cries of thanksgiving. Triumphant cries. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the gift of his son and the gift of his salvation through faith in him and to this we want to add the all important words of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ victory over sin and above all victory over the grave for Jesus simply said because I live you too shall live. Resurrection life assured. sure, says in Thessalonians, in everything, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Have a thankful life. Thank you. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that you are the eternal God the God who has given a revelation to mankind over all the centuries, a God who still speaks to our hearts today and who reminds us because of his mercy and his love and his goodness towards us and because of his so great salvation that we are to be thankful to him and in everything to give thanks for this is what is pleasing to him.